Right off the top of the show today, we have some breaking news in the transportation industry. And uh, when I say breaking news, do understand, we record this podcast a week before it airs. So this might not be breaking by the time it gets to you, but it was breaking this week when we decided to record this podcast, and I'm freaking out about it. Uh, Knight Swift and U.S. Express have reached an agreement for Knight Swift to acquire U.S. Express for a small sum of $808 million. This news broke on March 21st. Uh, the acquisition will add 7,200 trucks and 14,400 trailers to Knight Swift's already vast fleet, and they expect revenue increases of somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.2 billion. Uh, U.S. Express has detailed that it will continue operations as an entity of their new company to help minimize disruptions in employment for current employees. That's good. You don't like to hear about these big mergers when a whole bunch of people that work in the front office make a lot of money and all the people that actually, you know, so the hay, what do they say? So, look, you're out there stacking hay, okay? And, and these things can go bad a lot of times for the common employee. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the case, at least right now, but it remains to be seen. As soon as this whole thing takes place in the summer is when they expect it to close, that's when the corporate office brass at U.S. Express will step down and uh, Knight Swift leadership will take over. So that's really the target date to kind of keep your eye on if you want to see if the common man is going to get screwed by this whole thing. There's a couple things that this makes me think of. The first word everybody says when they see one big carrier absorb another big carrier is monopoly. Are they monopolizing the market? That's uh, the easiest question to raise, and it's the one that makes the most sense. They own a giant swath of the trucks on the road now, probably bigger than anyone else. Now, I haven't researched that, but you got to guess at this point. I think it was probably bigger than anybody else when, when Swift and Knight became one. So, you know, remains to be seen. I highly doubt with all of the names and how good corporate lawyers are these days, you're not going to have these guys get broken up at any point in time because they'll keep operating under the same uh, business names that they already did. So I have some questions for you, the H&M drivers out there, uh, and and I want to know what you think. So make sure to touch base with me on the socials and, uh, and tell me how you feel about this. What are your thoughts on this breaking news? Once again, hit us up on the socials over at H&M Trucking on Facebook. And uh, thanks for stopping by today. We got some fun stuff. Let's hit the music. From Omaha, Nebraska, to whatever lane you're driving, this is the H&M Trucking Podcast with your host, Marcus Bridges. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the H&M Trucking Podcast. I am your host, Marcus. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today on the program, we're talking about staying entertained on the road. You guys have a lot of time out there. You're constantly on the road. You're seeing all the sites. You're you're going to all the places, uh, but you're working when you're there. You're not always getting to jump out of the truck and enjoy it. And so I got to thinking, how do you guys stay entertained while you're out there? There is downtime. I know that there, you're not driving all the time. So what are you doing? I, I'm, I'm so curious. I know that that's a weird way to put it. What are you doing? Like dad's looking over your shoulder, but, but I'm genuinely curious because having been a traveling salesman at one point in time in my life, 
it got to the point where I was going to the same places so often and I was bored that it made it feel even it was bad not being at home with my wife and my dogs, but it was worse because I just didn't have anything to do. And so I would start looking at different things along the way. You know, maybe there's a viewpoint to stop at and eat lunch or something like that. Uh, Maybe there's a good restaurant that's been well reviewed. There's a lot of stuff out there, and I want you to connect with me on the socials and tell me what it is that you do during your, maybe it's your 36-hour reset, maybe it's just a, a quick night off real quick before you're going back to work the next day, but I know that there's time to kill, so tell me how you kill it, once again, over at the H&M Trucking social media. What I brought you here is a few things that the public at large thinks that you might do. And when I say the public at large, I got these rankings from Newsweek and Medium. Uh, Newsweek ranked the top 25 most visited tourist attractions in the U.S. And some of them are not surprising, but some of them really are. And I'm only going to bring you a few of these off this list. I think I only have four here because really, I don't see the feasibility of parking a fully loaded truck and trailer at any of these places that were on this top 25 list, but some of them are kind of cool. So let's start down the list a little bit. Number 17, Pike Place Market in Seattle. Uh, up here in the Great Pacific Northwest, if you haven't heard of Pike Place Market, you're you're just sleeping. It's a cool place to go if you like to smell dead fish always and, and also be way too close to people when other people are throwing said dead fish through the air. They've got a really cool thing going on down there. And and when I say throwing fish through the air, I'm not lying. Look it up on YouTube. They will grab a king salmon and huck that thing across the park. And some dude will grab it in paper and dice it up for you and throw it on the scale and you're out of there. There's some really good chowder down there too. But take it from the guy that comes from the state where Moe's chowder was invented. Moe's chowder is not the best chowder in Oregon. It's not the best chowder on the coast. And it is not the best chowder that you will find up in Pike's Place in Seattle. Uh, Warning given, you can try it. It's watery. It's bland. I don't know why they call it the best. There's a little place there in Newport off of uh, Highway 101 in Oregon you can go to called the Chowder Bowl. And uh, that's down by Agate Beach. You'll thank me. Uh, let's move up to number 10. Uh, Fenoil, I think it's Fenoil. Fenoil? I don't know. It's it's in Boston. Fenoil Hall Marketplace. Uh, they see 18 million visitors per year at this place. There are 49 shops, 18 restaurants and pubs, and 35 colonnade eateries and 44 push carts in the marketplace. So a lot to do there if you can find a place to park in what is essentially downtown Boston. Number three, this one comes in top of my heart because I love going here. That's the Las Vegas Strip, 42 million visitors per year. But look, I know you're surrounded by desert. You could probably just pull your truck off into the desert and lock it up and and be okay with it. I know a lot of these uh, resorts and casinos probably have truck parking, but if you just were going through on a stop and you didn't need a place to stay, you might be screwed, buddy. Because parking in Vegas is an absolute nightmare. I've watched two cabbies brawl over a parking spot before, and um, it is one of the best fights I've ever seen. The guy with the propane-powered cab actually won. That was surprising. But we were able to steal some strip club vouchers out from underneath of his visor while he was out there throwing punches. Number one on the list, the most visited place in America uh, is Times Square. 50 million visitors per year. That's That's steep. That's a lot. And it doesn't surprise me. But once again... Are you even getting close? Are you even getting within 30 miles of Times Square with your fully loaded truck? Let me know. 
uh, over at the H&M social media pages. So what about roadside attractions? Uh, these huge tourist traps are not generally thought of as flush with parking for passenger cars, let alone loaded tractors and trailers. But I have a few here from an article on Medium. And to be honest, I could see 99.5% of drivers flying right by these without a second thought. And maybe even depressing the gas pedal a little bit to get past it quicker but I'm not a driver. Uh, we've already talked about my road trip behavior on this podcast. We know I'm not stopping, uh, but are you drivers taking advantage of some of these things? Cause some of them are cool on this list. Do you stop? Let us know. Once again, comment on the social posts. We'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, but here's some notable roadside attractions for truckers. According to medium, uh, number one, the freshwater fishing hall of fame in Hayward, Wisconsin Here you'll be greeted by a statue of a giant muskie that is 40 feet tall. Uh, Now, in my humble opinion, the muskie rivals the sturgeon for the ugliest possible freshwater fish. So I'm already turned off a little bit by a 40 foot tall one just right out front. But if they have a display teaching me to actually catch fish rather than wait for them to bite and lose them immediately, I'm all in. My dad once told me if it was easy, they'd call it catching, not fishing. Fair. Uh, to which I responded as a Welch, as a young child, uh, well, can we go catching? Because I'm bored. And, and that pretty much sums up my entire life as far as fishing is concerned. Moving on, the Garden of a Thousand Buddhas in Arley, Montana. Now, this one has the best backdrop of any of these, but it is literally just a grip of Buddha statues and a small temple built on the Montana countryside. So the attraction's free to check out. It offers guided tours on Saturday only. Uh, There is truck parking, by the way, both at the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame and at the uh, Garden of a Thousand Buddhas. No offense to Montana here, because by all measures, one of the most beautiful states in the Union without question. But if you don't need to see a thousand Buddha statues... I think you could pick any random pullout on any random road in Montana and probably get the same views. Hit the gas. We're going by this one. I'm sorry. I'm not stopping. Uh, Finally, one where you're going to see me hit the brakes, the National Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Now we're talking, okay? If I'm going to halt this road trip, I want to see something cool. And all the Corvettes throughout history might be the coolest thing I've heard about since my friend Jared turned me on to bluegrass metal. Uh, So tons of vets on display and even a feature on the sinkhole that opened up under the museum in 2014, which is really cool. There's plenty of tractor trailer parking here. We're stopping. I'm stopping. You're stopping. We're going to have a big H&M reunion. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll get to drive a Stingray. Coming up right now, I have a very good interview planned for you. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what he does as far as staying entertained on the road and talk to him about this breaking news. Joining us on the podcast today is owner-operator Terry Smiles-Oatman. Now, Terry, you say they call you Smiles. First of all, thanks for joining us. Second, tell me why. Well, I got the nickname Smiles in college right after high school because I always have a smile on my face. Like, it's just there. Well, that's a pretty good reason to have the nickname Smiles. I mean, it would be, you know, it's like that's not necessarily one of those oxymoron nicknames where you call a big guy tiny or something like that. No, it's definitely not. Mine mine definitely was earned in lieu of me just being that that happy-go-lucky smiling guy. Nice. Well, I'm sure that makes a job like yours, uh, you know, all the things you have to deal with during the day, keeping a smile on your face probably makes it a little bit easier to go home and actually get some sleep at night rather than just tear your hair out, right? If it wasn't for me being as happy as I am all the time, I would be completely full head of gray hair like most of the guys my age out here. 
It's a good point. Where are you coming uh, to us from today? Uh, I am in Finley, Nevada, where I just shut down for my 30-minute break and fuel stop because the fact that I barely made it over Donner before they closed it. Now I'm trying to verify my highway conditions east of my position enough I can keep driving today. <laughs> wow. So some pretty inclement weather out there in that area of the country right now? Uh, it's snowing, just like it has been doing all that fun stuff. Do you kind of hang out in, you know, like a regional area or are you, uh, you know, do you go all over the country when you drive? I am full-fledged OTR. I normally, we don't really, H&M doesn't really run up uh, in the Northeast, so I don't have to worry about that. But other than that, it's everywhere. Okay. And do you have like a favorite? I ask every driver this just because it's interesting to hear all the different answers. Do you have a favorite state to drive in and do you have a least favorite state to drive in? There's a very solid yes on the second one. <laughs> there normally is. <laughs> California. Yeah, that's the that's the leader in the clubhouse, Smiles. That one's been said more <laughs> times on this show than you can even shake a stick at, my friend. And and for me, I, I'm not a big hater of California. So why do you hate driving there? What I don't like is Southern California, the L.A. Valley specifically. Yeah, it's a nightmare. I can get away in... I can get away in California, pretty reasonable, knowing that the guys are just, they're going to come across from three lanes onto the exit that I'm coming up on, that I have no intentions on taking, but they're going to do it. I already know it. <laughs> <laughs> but in LA, they do it while holding the brake pedal. Ah, oh, gotcha. So you've <laughs> got to slow down all your 80,000 pounds to get out of their way. Uh-huh. Okay. And so has that anticipation of like just knowing when you're in the LA Valley, knowing that that's going to happen, has that kind of helped make your days a little easier too? Like if you expect something like that, it doesn't make you as angry deep down. At least I don't know if it does for you. You seem like a really happy guy. I can get angry about it, but we're not talking about me. Uh, does that just anticipating it, like knowing it's going to happen just makes it easier to get over, doesn't it? It really does. It makes it a lot easier. How long have you been an owner-operator for, Smiles? Uh, owner-operator uh, this this year, completing this year of March, as a matter of fact, which then puts me at my seven-year mark of owner-operator, but it's off and on in my 16 years of driving. Okay. And what brought you to H&M? Like, why this company? I actually talked to an H&M driver some time ago while we were coming through St. Louis on the sea. And he told me that the minimum requirements were this, this, and this. And so I said, all right, well, when I get all those requirements, I'll see about talking to him. Completely ADHD, that thought out the brain until one day I was cruising down the road looking for a new company to get out from under a company that is company-owned and doesn't treat their owner-ops for the damn, and I was on as an owner-op with it. So I was looking for an exit strategy. I saw one of the trucks. I was like, you know, I never did contact them. I made the phone call, and here I am. <laughs> Perfect. And they hired you. They hired you right there on the spot, right? Is that going to be the story? Essentially, it was one of those. I had the years of experience. I had the knowledge and the know-how and the willing to learn how to do a hopper trailer. It was all right. Well, you passed the background. Come on in. Let's let us get you a rental car to get from there to here, and we'll get it figured out. That's awesome. And and now that you're you've been with H and M for a little bit, first of all, how long have you been with H and M, and what do you think about it now that you're looking from the inside out? So H and M, as of today, I am at 
three years and five days. Oh, wow. So with H&M. Nice. Well, congratulations on your three year anniversary. We just missed that. We would have <laughs> been, uh, you know, last week I was sick and out. We had to reschedule this. So I'm actually kind of glad that I get yep. to tell you congratulations rather than, uh, you know, upcoming congratulations. Yeah, because we, we would have missed it literally by a day or two. And then the first year of that, I was just a company driver, ran as a company driver, doing whatever, wherever, whenever. After that first year, decided I want to do the owner-op, and there was a position available, and I jumped in it. You'll never get me to go back. <laughs> Can you tell me why? I, with H&M specifically, have found that I think I have found my retirement home because... Honest to God, as an owner or as a driver or owner op, I never stayed with a company more than nine months. Oh wow! In sixteen years of a career, we've cleared three years with H and M. So you're feeling pretty good at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good man. Well, I bet they're glad to have a smiling guy like you around. Somebody with a good positive attitude. I mean, it, it's it's one of those jobs that you work that. You know, there's a lot that can go wrong at any given time. And uh, having somebody with a good demeanor on the phone, I mean, I imagine even you love to chat every now and then. She seems like somebody that you and uh, you would get along with pretty well. I, I get along with Eve pretty well. Her and I have had a few chit chats. Um, and it's just like with me and everybody that I talk to, I can easily get lost in a subject and just zoom by. Here comes a conversation. That's awesome. People at the office kind of have other jobs and got to call other people so they don't always get to. <laughs> no, that's why they hired me, Smiles. I'm the guy that's supposed to come in here and start chatting everybody up. So, uh, welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, tell me about uh, any pets that you have riding with you in the cab. I have Moon. Moon. And what is Moon? Moon is a calico blood breed mix of a cat. But he's only black and white. But his mom is pure calico. But he's black and white. That's cool. Yeah, we don't know who the dad was, so it is what it is. He's a calico mix of some sort. Moon's a great name. Uh, is there anything behind that? Did you did you pick that for any specific reason? Um, we got two cats. My wife got the female. I got the male. We named one Starlight because she had more white on her, and we named this one Moon because he had more black on her. Awesome. Did she ever get lost in your uh, in your cab because uh, it's such a dark cat? It's kind of hard to see. He has found every nook and cranny in this truck that he can fit in. <laughs> I guarantee. There have been times I've stood up and got batted on the head, not knowing that he was above me. <laughs> uh, it's great. How, how long's like the longest that you've lost him for in the cab of the truck? Almost a full eight-hour shift. Wow! Driving down the highway, I couldn't find him. Oh man, I bet you were worried sick. Nope. <laughs> I knew if the door hadn't opened since the last time I'd seen him. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew he was in there. You just didn't know where. Figure out sooner or later he's coming out for some tuna fish or something. I couldn't see him. I was looking at the road. I couldn't look around to find him. Turned out he was in the cubby that's in, in my Freightliner. We have cubbies every damn where in this truck. But directly behind my driver's seat, above the closet, there's a cubby up there. And he got access to it from going in front uh, over the passenger seat to the overhead compartment, walking all the way around the overhead compartment, going through two other cubbies to get into that one. Wow. He has found every nook and cranny he can get into. That's a cat for you, man. You get a dog, it'll just lay on that seat, you know, just give it a good cushion, give it, you know, the sleeper, it'll just chill back there. But those cats, they're a curious breed. Uh-huh. 
and I've had dog. I've had a dog on the truck for the longest time. I absolutely loved it. But it's easier to have a cat, so making life easier might as well. Yeah, for sure. Still got a companion. Well, today on the podcast, we're talking about staying entertained on the road. One of the reasons that I, I wanted to bring you on here is because I understand that uh, you are a gamer and you're talking to a fellow gamer uh, right now, dude. Uh, I, I really enjoy my video games at, at 38 years old. Sometimes I feel like I play too many uh, to be considered a functioning adult. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's a really nice kind of disconnect for me. Um How'd you get started with gaming? How long have you been playing for? Um, well, since I'm only about two years older than you, I started back on an Atari 36. Nice. That's one. Of, that's old school, dude. I, you don't hear too many people talk about those anymore. That tells you how long I've had my game addiction. Okay. <laughs> since square one. Yeah. I was old enough to hold the controller and see what was going on on the screen, and it happened. It was it over from there. <laughs> you know, my dad uh, bought us a, an original NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. I, the original Nintendo. Yeah, and yep, it came out the year I was born, I think. And so I, I didn't have it, of course, until, you know, four or five years later. But um, he, his favorite thing to do was he would rent my sister and I a game and we would play for a little while. And then right before we were getting ready for bed, he would always rent the game Jeopardy because my mom loved it. And they would play Jeopardy together, and he would slip my sister and I quarters to go across the room and unplug my mom's controller because he couldn't beat her. <laughs> and so I, I learned, like, first of all, I learned how to cheat real young, which is, <laughs> I don't know what that did for me, but I'll tell you, when my mom found out, that's when the payment started to go up because it's like, okay, well, look, dad's got a quarter in my pocket for, you know, two bits for you, and I might be able to go unplug his controller. Like, I'm just a working man, you know, at this point. Right? <laughs> Do you have any favorite games that you, you gravitate towards? Anything that you have? And when I say favorite, too, I'm not talking about favorite like right now. I'm talking about favorite in all of your 40 years. Oh, to this day, to this day, Double Dragon and Contra. Oh, those were good. Are top of the list. And I think it was actually Super C that I preferred over the original Contra, which was the second one. Because the boss fights were so much harder on that one. So you like the challenge? Yeah. I've always had the thing for if it's not challenging, it's boring. Well, you're a better man than I am because when I learned that Contra code, the original one that everybody knows, up, down, up, down, left, right, oh, left, right. You know, God, Mount. Um, Yeah, that thing, I, I don't think I ever played Contra through as it was supposed to be played. I just put in the code and just ran through. Was like, that was fun and easy. Exactly how I like it. <laughs> yeah. I would use the cheat codes for the ammo and the armor but I wouldn't do the health or the easy kill on the enemies because I wanted to know what it would actually take for like damage output to kill them and how quickly I could die. That game wasn't beatable without a cheat code. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for validating me. Uh, because I was sitting here thinking like, man, he didn't do the health or the easy kill. Like those are the two that I capitalized on. <laughs> that was the one everybody capitalized on. I did the unlimited ammo because it just made it so I didn't have to constantly find the ammo boxes and drop or run into the boss if it's falling through the screen. Right. <laughs> like, no, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so do you have uh, any games 
smiles that you play that are like what I would call mood games, like maybe only when you're melancholy or only when you're feeling really angry or anything like that? Or are you pretty much play the games that you play and you, you play them whenever you have the time? Well, it's always when it comes down to is if I have the time and the freedom to get on to play. But as far as like my games for just specific moods, I normally will actually stick to a first-person shooter, preferably not online. Okay. First-person shooter. Uh, more along the lines of Assassin's Creed or something like that if I'm angry, because then I can just take it out on NPCs and don't have to deal with real people. Sure. That's a good point there. <laughs> um, if I'm in kind of a just one of those honorary just let's get somebody moods, then I'll probably jumping into Elder Scrolls Online or Call of Duty Online with an MMO concept so that I can just other people off. <laughs> You're an ESO player. I I played that game for probably four or five years. I, I, I'm going to nerd out for a second. I had a full-on, like, my dude was, was fully championed out. I had all the kits. I was in this guild where they would take me into these dungeons and I would get all this cool gear and all the money and, and just all the things that I needed. Now, I had been unemployed for six months when I started playing that game, and I'm surprised I wasn't unemployed six months shortly thereafter, but that game is unbelievable in the amount of time that you can sink into it. I would look up and have been playing for six and a half, seven hours and not even feel it, you know? Yep, and that's why that's one of the games I don't play on the truck. Okay. (laughs) All right. Because it's too easy to just lose track of time, and then if I got to get up the next day... It, okay, guess, guess that I did goodbye if I was up all night playing a game. But yeah, so that one is like ESO. I really only ever play at home with the wife, sit down side by side, and each of us has a controller for our own console and get to going on it. Oh, that's awesome. So she's a gamer too. Uh, no, she has her few games that she will destroy somebody on. Otherwise, she won't touch them. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, my wife will my wife will give you the riot act when it comes to Crash Bandicoot racing, but other than that and like Guitar Hero, she's not really into it. And the wife, I got lucky with her being an ESO player because she was a D&D player before we met. So ESO kind of sunk her for the video game version of D&D. Okay. And do you guys play any D&D when you're when you're home together like with your friends or anything like that? We haven't had a chance to. Um, we know where there's three different groups that meet every week two or three times a week oh, for wow. different games. Um, but I'm never home enough to go. So what about the Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out? Uh, are you excited about that? I am dying to see it, but the wife and I have agreed that we won't watch it unless we're together. Oh, yeah. yep. That's one of the pains of marriage, man. Well, the advantage to that one is if I can get home time while it's in the theaters, we can go see it in the theaters. Otherwise, we're just going to buy it and put it on the movies anywhere and watch it. Sure. Well, I've, I heard from a guy that I follow on Facebook that has a tendency to be pretty cynical about movies that it was a really good movie. I've never played Dungeons & Dragons myself. I have some friends that play it. I've, I've been around it, but never actually like participated. You played Elder Scrolls, you understand. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of get the lore and everything, but the, the way that people get into their characters and the way that people do cosplay for it and they do figurines and they do their game boards and everything, it's, it's phenomenal where that game started and where it has come to at this point in time. Yes, it started as a book with dice. <laughs> And now, and now we have this. Yeah, now there's... It's a whole 
community and <laughs> right i mean there's whole stores in the mall where you can go and just buy a blank figurine and paint the damn thing and i mean people do so much work on these characters it's it's a cool thing and i, I think it kind of encapsulates gaming as a whole like people for a while were afraid to talk about the fact that they played these games. If you didn't play Madden or Call of Duty, then don't talk about games because you're a nerd. Now, it's like gaming is so big and these fantasy games are a giant part of it. And I, I just like that it's been popularized a little bit more to where the people that actually do play it and do all this phenomenal artwork and all of this planning actually get to showcase that rather than trying to hide it from people. Yeah. And that is an amazing aspect. But yeah, oh, uh, brain. Come on, 10 ways to Sunday. Slow down. There we go. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you told me when we were talking um, before the interview that uh, you kind of play video games not necessarily because it's, it's, like, a, it's like a hobby. It's, it's a brain shutoff for you. Can you talk a little bit yes. about that and how it helps you at the end of a really long day or a really long trip or a hard load or anything like that? Well, I, I literally, I use it as my little calm down, go into a separate space. For lack of better ways of explaining it, people call it their padded room or whatever. I, I like to call it my mirror dimension where nothing I do in this dimension matters in the real life. So I'm here, leave me alone. And it's just a way to just kind of forget everything and just let it all flow out and be good for the day. And then when I go into the back to go to sleep, everything that I dealt with for the day is gone. It's, it's off in a video game somewhere dealing with that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's off getting shot up by a 10 year old in call of duty <laughs> or getting utterly smashed by Deadpool and Marvel strike force or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm a lot the same way as a reason I, I wanted to kind of get into this with you a little bit is because there are some times when my wife will look at me like, how long have you been up here playing? And it's like, look, I, I don't feel like I did better for myself than I would have if I just went and spent four hours at the gym. But for me, the only thing I can think about when I'm at a place like the gym is how much I hate being there and how much I can't wait to leave. And how much I'm tired of these people. Yeah, and and when I'm playing my video games, uh, you can't see me. And if you want to see me, come into the game and and get some. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Test this smoke, fool. If you want some, I'm here. Uh, it you know it's Marquis, whatever. But I, I I really feel like video games get stigmatized from time to time. And the fact of the matter is, all of us are playing them. It really doesn't matter. Like, there's so few people that don't pick up some sort of cell phone game or tablet, PC, console, you name it. What other types of games do you play besides... You mentioned your first-person shooters. You mentioned uh, Elder Scrolls Online. I heard Marvel Strike Force. I've never played that. Marvel Strike Force. It is a mobile game designed for tablet, iPhone, stuff like that. I believe there's a way to play it on here as well i'm not totally sure about that it's essentially a mobile turn-based game very much you literally level up your care level up yourself in turn to level up all the tunes that you're collecting it's all and it's marvel strike force it's the story is a kree leader by the name of ultimus figured out how to travel the multiverse and convert heroes and villains to submit to his demand copy so you literally have a five-man team going through all this different stuff doing all kinds of different things max level right now on the game is 95 i'm level 93 oh damn uh, there's 
Yeah. I have 229 characters unlocked out of, I think it's 240. Wow. Smiles out here playing with the big dogs. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no. So 238 characters in total. I have 229 of them. Wow. With 168 of those at Max Star Collection, at Max Star Rank. That's crazy, man. So it sounds like that's one that you, you kind of dominate fools at that game a little bit, it sounds like. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some people out there with a lot more free time on their hands than you have, my friend. Well, in that particular game, and with most any mobile game that's free to play, you have the whales that spend hundreds of dollars a week to make sure they're the best. I know when I come across a whale. Because they walk across me and I didn't even look. And I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even chance. <laughs> Have you ever fallen into that uh, rabbit hole of spending far more on a, uh, a game that has in-app purchases? Yes. As a matter of fact, this game here, I started playing shortly before my wife and I got together. And in the short time that I was playing it, I had invested near $100 in just a few months for a free-to-play game. <laughs> yeah, that's... I was waiting for you to say that part. That's the that's the part that stings when you're saying it about yourself, is you have to add that for a free-to-play game. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> then you know exactly what you did. Yep. <laughs> and you're just kind of rubbing it in. Just grind that salt a little bit harder. That, that That's how you do it. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, tell me this, man. What are your thoughts on Modern Warfare 2? Have you played it at all? Do you like it? Um, it it's been pretty popular, but it's also got its critics. I actually am damn near max level on it. Damn near got all of my golds platinum. My, all my guns platinum. Wow. <laughs> Something um, On that game. It's not a bad game. I like the way that they redid the gun attachment and leveling for the guns. That and the attachment unlocks. Absolutely love how they redid that. Yeah, I like the tuning. Yeah, and the tuning. Absolutely epic. I can turn around and take a sniper rifle, make it pop up faster than a pistol. <laughs> yeah, realism in these games is, uh, you know, it's something to be desired from time to time. But hey, it's all about customization. Well... In real life, you could technically modify said marksman slash sniper rifle to the point where it would move that quick. Because it would be the size of a pistol with a scope on it dropping a massive round. It's just going to kick your shoulder off your body. Whether or not you got the accuracy you want, no, you ain't even going to have a... Sh no, you're, you're going to be... You're going to pull the trigger and be hoping that you don't go flying backwards with the gun because you're holding it like a damn pistol. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because there's no stock. The barrel's short. Whoa, that thing's going to kick like a mule, and you ain't got nothing up against you for it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. So uh, talk to me a little bit about your setup. Like, what do you play on? How big's your monitor or your uh, your TV screen? What kind of – I think you mentioned Xbox maybe is your console of choice, but tell me what you've got in the truck as your gaming setup and then how you power it. I have an Xbox One S in the truck. Uh, I have it hooked up to a 32-inch TV that barely fits. <laughs> <laughs> Literally barely fits. There was, I had to buy two different TV mounting bracket kits to make a mounting bracket kit that would mount this TV into this truck and have it fit. So you're one of those guys. You're a farmer where it's like you can go out there and farm other products and turn them into your own products. I really like that. Correct. Yes. I, I And that's what I did for my TV. Uh, I think I spent a whole lot whopping eighty dollars in TV mounts because I bought two cheap ones from Walmart, two of the forty dollar ones to make the components I have for putting it in here. Mm -hmm. The truck's 
all of the HM trucks come with uh, APUs and inverters. That runs it just fine. No, you never have a problem with a uh, power draw or anything like that. Unless I'm trying to operate the microwave at the same time, no. Well, just got to make sure those Totino's pizza rolls are done before you sit down and flip that thing on, man, right? Yep. If, if I want to eat, I have to cook my food and then set up the console to play. Because my APU can't even keep up with my microwave with it being just the microwave. Oh, wow. I actually have to idle my truck to keep that one going. <laughs> <laughs> So on average, when during your downtime, when you're OTR, how often or how much of your time would you say you spend uh, playing video games and how much would you say you spend, you know, doing other things or just sleeping, whatever? I can honestly say there for the last year or so, I was playing every night, two, three hours every night, but it was starting to affect my work performance. So I had to dial that back. How so? Uh, well, I was starting to play a little bit more than the two or three hours. Uh, I was pushing that time limit and then not waking up like I was supposed to. So there's a level of responsibility that's got to be taken when you have the stuff on the truck to make sure you maintain a good standing with the company and whatnot. Uh-huh. Now, I literally, the Xbox gets powered on for a 34-hour reset. So about once a week, every other week, I turn it on get a good six to eight hours of game time in and call it a day. And that's what that Xbox gets. That's awesome. And, and I mean, it's, it's so huge to have something like that. I think about the time that you guys spend out there on the road. I would not be able to do that without my Xbox. If you, I mean, I used to be a traveling salesman driving from hotel to hotel up and down on the Oregon coast a couple times a week and even just going to those hotel rooms at night without my wife, without all the shows we wanted to watch, without my dogs, without the the kitchen where I could cook something that I actually wanted to eat, I found myself sitting in a hotel room and just withering away into a, a pile of bed sheets. And I was bored. And I started taking my Xbox with me on the road, and it changed everything. I actually looked forward to going on the road uh, from time to time just because my wife wasn't there to side-eye me for... Side-eye me for <laughs> but it's just because you, your wife wasn't there to get you in trouble for doing yeah, exactly it. <laughs> say man it as an adult you got to look for the little things right <laughs> yes so, uh, i think it's something that a lot of people could benefit from i know uh, there's people that are listening to this that might be a little bit older generation than us maybe didn't get into video games a- as much as we did when we were kids because they weren't available to them but i'll tell you if you can if you can get yourself to pick up the controller, uh, video games have come to a place where they are so interactive, so immersive, and so well done artfully, these games. You can't, I mean, look, there are a, there is addictive properties to it, but for the most part, uh, you know, a, a well-rounded adult isn't going to fall into that unless you start just cranking out the in-app purchases. I, I mean, you talked about spending a couple hundred bucks or whatever it was on Marvel uh, Strike Force. I have a buddy that spent $1,500 on uh, like a Bejeweled video game or something like that. I believe that. He got his bill and was like, dude, I have, uh, this is a problem. Like, I have to go see professional <laughs> help. <laughs> Before I let you go here, there's a couple more things I wanted to talk about. Now, this actually just broke this morning, and so I figured, why not ask Smiles about it? I mean, he's going to be on with me. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about the uh, U.S. Express and Swift merger that happened today. 
that explains so much on the trucks. There you go. Okay, so what's going through your mind? So we heard this very first thing this morning that U.S. Express and Swift were merging. I think they're going to have 30,000 trucks at this point in time uh, after this merger. I, I haven't done a lot of research here, but when you say that explains so much, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Uh, the last two to three years, U.S. Express trucks have stopped appearing and they have started their trailers have been getting pulled by variant, which I've never heard of until they just started appearing in the front of the U S express trailers. Mm -hmm. I think it was going into California. I saw a swift truck pulling a U.S. express trailer over the, on the way in Cali. And I was like, Oh, he's probably just doing one of those power onlys. And then I saw swift trucks at the England terminal this morning coming up by five. Okay. Or up california 99 uh -huh. that makes sense they've been having this merger happen for a while it just finally happened public right right they finally just went public with it now as, as an owner operator yourself does this change anything for you or is this just make sense of a lot of things that you've been seeing uh, it just makes sense of what i've been seeing it has no real effect on me since neither of those companies drag a hopper bottom trailer oh okay gotcha <laughs> they don't sense. they're not even in the same realm as me yeah absolutely <laughs> They're doing palletized freight. I'm doing bulk, unpalletized, no packaging, just dumped in the trailer, let's go. <laughs> Copy. Okay, well, I'm glad that uh, we were able to break a little news for you today. Hey, you learn something every day, and today you came to this podcast and learned about that, Smiles. So um, I, I hate to say yeah. it, but you're welcome, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, if you don't learn something new every day, are you really alive? Let's not answer that. I laid in bed all week last week with an illness, and I didn't learn a damn thing. So I, I actually, you know what? Guarantee you did. I was, I was. You did learn something. Yeah, I learned that sleeping for that long and eating that little food is a terrible idea. Uh, that's that is what I learned, and and I guess you're right there. So, you know what? You're not lying about this whole smiles thing. You have a very bright outlook on life. It's just kind of how I am, and for me, and all of my friends that know me. My friends, I, I have friends that I've known since I was 11, 12 years old, and they'll tell you outright, he, he's like that. that. That's just how he is. He wakes up like that. <laughs> if you're not a morning, morning person, don't go near him because you will regret it. <laughs> well, bottle some of that shit and send it over my way. I'm in Eugene, <laughs> yeah. Oregon, 97404. <laughs> Uh, you can even throw it out along the five, man. I'll run out there and grab it out of the weeds. I don't even care because there's sometimes when I feel like Eeyore getting out of bed in the morning, dude, and if nobody pins my tail on me the right way, I'm going to have a real bad day. Yeah. I literally can, if my, as soon as I sit up and my feet touch the floor, you will hear me come to life and be awake. Yeah. See, I need that. You can hear the physical change in me and you're just like, how? His feet touch the floor and he's awake. Ah, dude, I need it in pill form. I need it in like a lotion or something that I can, an ointment. Oh, man. Well, something. I think that that's good, man. You picked a good profession for somebody like that because, like I said, I feel like you guys are up against the entire world out there. And without being able to maintain that, that uh, outlook, your days would be a lot longer and you would probably live a shorter life due to the stress, to be honest with you. So it, it, kudos to be able to keep that and have had that for your entire life. Some people aren't uh, is so fortunate to have a good demeanor, good outlook on life, be happy. 
um, once in a while. I, I look, I've I've worked for him before. I had a boss named Larry one time. I swear to God, was never happy for a day in his life. Um, maybe that was because he had to come to work and see me five days a week. I don't know. I just <laughs> wish that he would have smiled once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was an oxymoron yeah. guy. I could have called that dude smiles, and it would have been ironic, and everybody would have laughed about it. Should have thought about that. Yeah. Well, Terry, you have given us a lot of your time today. I want to. Uh, I do this with every driver. I want to leave you with uh, the ability to a if there's anything, any stories you want to share with me, anything crazy that you think that uh, I would enjoy hearing about on this podcast. I would love to hear it first and foremost. All right. Um. You know, the only story that I can ever really think of when somebody says that to me is the story of the first time I ever went into Atlanta, Georgia as a truck driver. I'm intrigued. It was my first time going into Atlanta as a solo truck driver. Just got off my trainer's truck the week before. So I was still fresh, wet behind the ears, brand new to the industry. And I-75 had construction as we were coming into Atlanta, so there was no shoulders whatsoever. Jersey walls down both sides of the interstate. It's three to four lanes of interstate. I was in the right lane because I knew where I was supposed to be, trying to just get through the traffic. And Nissan Sentra in front of me decided to stop to let the traffic merge onto the highway in front of him. Oh, no. And how fast were you going? We were in bumper-to-bumper traffic, everybody traveling approximately 65 mile an hour. Oh, no. And you're, you're in a... And it's bumper-to-bumper. Yeah, and you're in a firebox, basically. You've got nowhere to go. Even if you want to pull it off the road, you can't. I've got a concrete wall to my right. I've got trucks to my left and four-wheelers and everything else to my left. There's no going anywhere. I have to stop or I'm hitting it. I remember locking it down, shutting it down. I stopped, and I didn't feel a bump. But I didn't see the car either, and I checked my mirrors. None of the trucks behind me hit me. None of them got crooked. None of us jackknifed, and then the car in front of me darted. Wow. I started hooking gears. I was going to hit it then. That's unbelievable, <laughs> dude. I, that's, <laughs> I mean, you, you say you didn't feel a bump, but you thought you ran over the guy in front of you, didn't you? I couldn't see him, but I didn't feel a bump, so I was like, he's either there or he's dead. I don't care. Am I going to die? No. Oh, there he goes. Now he's going to die. <laughs> Maybe he was driving one of those aluminum body Fords. You don't even hear those things crunch under your foot. Oh, uh, but yeah, that was my, that's probably the best story I can ever think of. Every time somebody asked me about a story about driving, because I had just got off my trainer's truck right. and my first load took me down to Atlanta, Georgia, and that happened. Wow. I will never to this day forget it. I mean, I even told you what kind of car it was that stopped in front of me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear in your mind, that's for sure. And that's one of those uh, experiences, being that fresh out of training, that'll really shape you for years to come, I'm sure. And it, yeah, and with the fact that I was, like nowadays, I drive a brand new Freightliner Cascade. Nice. Nice little aerodynamic truck, got a sloped hood, so you can see down to the front of the truck real easy and whatnot. When that happened, though, I was in a 379 Peterbilt, which is a long, square-hooded truck. Right. There's no seeing what's in front of you if it's a small car. Yeah, there's no seeing what's in front of you if it's a herd of buffalo in some cases. When <laughs> Fair. So when I say I couldn't see his car, I couldn't see him over in the hood of a long-hooded truck. Wow. 
Well, we're glad that you made it out of that one okay, and and thanks for sharing your story as always. Um, and, and anything else that you want to leave your family with, you want to you know say anything to any of your fellow drivers out there, anybody that might be listening to the podcast. Uh, you gave us your time today. I want to give you some time here to say anything that you want to those people that you care about. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. I'm just going to stick with the standard basic of uh, keep that shiny side up, greasy side down, and keep them wheels rolling. Be safe and have fun while you're doing it. I love it. Smiles, thank you so much for joining us today, man. We're definitely going to have you back on sometime in the future if you're willing, okay? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Just let me know anytime. This was a blast. Awesome. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Terry Smiles Oatman, owner-operator for H&M Trucking. What a great interview that was. I I love that energy, man. That guy, I don't think you could make him mad uh, unless you really effed up his truck. And if you do that, you know, best of luck to you. I'm not saying that he's going to get mad. I don't think he could get mad. That might make him mad. That or take the batteries out of his controller. That would really piss me off, so... Moving on here from the interview, we've got uh, a little bit of Facebook commentary for you, which is always a fun part of the show. Uh, There was a post on Rubber Side Down, which is a Facebook page that I keep an eye on for stuff like this because it gives me a little bit of a wider swath of drivers to pick from. Uh, just in case you H&M drivers aren't out there, uh, you know, really beating up the Facebook logs, which... Listen, if you're not, I totally understand. As somebody that has spent more time than I care to count on Facebook, I get it. Sometimes the comment sections can be a little bit of a cesspool. This one, not so much. This was pretty much an innocuous question, uh, but you can still get some answers that'll have to get edited out. And so I've already done that for you. Don't worry. We're not going to uh, have anything surprise you here because the, the question was fielded by someone named Michael on rubber side down and he said what do you drivers do when you are on a 34 or 36 hour reset now i went through over 180 comments to kind of try to find like the aggregate of of what these answers were and the the one thing that made me feel like good for drivers out there is going home was one of the most popular ones it sounds like a lot of drivers get to take their 34 or their 36 hour reset when they're at home with their families. And that is, that's gotta be huge. Uh, Home time is important, but what if you can't be home because you have to take your 36 on the road? Well, Brandy and Ray both mentioned something that I never even would have thought if they hadn't have put this in Facebook feed. And that is laundry. It was like A1 on their list. Like I have to get my laundry done. Uh, It's a very important staple to take care of while you've got some time before you head back to work. And uh, Ray also likes to take naps and wash his truck, which was another popular choice. I noticed a lot of owner operators on this post saying, wash the truck and keep that truck clean. It means a lot more to the guy that actually owns it. So uh, I can totally understand what Ray's up to out there. There's a lot of people that just hang out, which doesn't surprise me because, look, even a traditional nine to fiver will spend a full Saturday on the couch. I'm that guy, okay? It's it's like we're right in the midst of March Madness right now. It doesn't take anything than other than two mid-major college basketball teams I've never heard of playing each other on a neutral floor in March, and I will lose an entire day of my life. So it does not surprise me that people that work one of the hardest jobs, if not the hardest job in America, like to just kind of lounge a little bit. But the other thing about that is, is like 
your job kind of inherently has you not moving around a lot. And so moving around could be something on your 36 hour reset that might make you feel a little bit better, uh, which was another person. Um, uh, Steve actually said that he gets a workout in religiously. He, even if it's just, you know, something simple, walk in, you know, jogging or something like that. It doesn't necessarily need a gym, but he gets some physical activity in. And I, I love that because what a better way to, to pass the time or what better way to pass the time, excuse me, than to, you know, just sweat out a little bit of anger. I mean, look, you guys are driving on these roads where people don't pay attention to you. They don't honor your, your wishes. They don't give you enough space. They cut you off. They flip you off and hardly any of them do the horn honk motion anymore, which is like a dying art. So yeah, try that. Maybe go out and sweat it out a little bit, you know, pump some iron, but do get some bona fide r and I totally understand that. Moving on here, Russell spends his 36 hours, and I quote, making fun of people that give stupid answers on Facebook posts like this one. And that was, look, it was a little bit aggressive because to be honest, when I read this post, I hadn't come across a stupid answer yet. He just kind of threw this one out there. So I don't know if he was trying to uh, needle somebody or maybe he was just needling the reader, which was me. That could be. If so, good job, Russell. Um, Russell also geocaches with his guitar strapped to his back or something. I, I don't know. I sort of tuned out of the comment when I thought that he was needling me for reading it in the first place. And also geocaching. I look, I get it. That, that's an exciting thing. But geocaching for me is a lot like hiking. My wife wanted to hike so much when I first met her. She goes, let's go out into the nature and hike. Look, I grew up hunting. If I grew if I go out into the forest I'm going out there to kill something. I'm going out there with a purpose. I'm putting meat in the fridge. I'm putting a, a, an elk skin sweater on my body. I'm rendering fat for cooking later. I'm, I'm taking a bite out of the liver just for the iron. But I can't bring myself to just go and walk in the goddamn woods. I'm so bored. And geocaching adds one little bit to that, which is where you find a thing and you pull it out and everybody else that's found that thing has come and like written their name on it and whatever. And then maybe they'll leave like a little trinket. And I'll tell you, nothing will piss me off more than finding trinkets in the forest. They're not supposed to be there. I don't care if it's a Blair Witch weird, like, dream catcher hanging from a tree, or if, you know, somebody put a bottle opener that says Budweiser on it in the geocache. If you enjoy this, I'm totally okay with it. I have no problem with it. You're just not going to find me out there. Okay, let's put it that way. And finally, before we wrap this up, Scott tells us, if you're working for a company that has you take your 36-hour reset on the road, you are working for the wrong company. Now, that's a strong take, okay? Because I know that there is a lot of drivers out there that would agree with you here. Home time is important. We've already talked about that. But there's also a contingency of drivers that really love to do what they do, and that is drive. And uh, they wouldn't have it any other way. They like their 36-hour resets on the road. Some of them live out of the cabs of their truck. Some of them that we've talked to on this very show basically don't have a home address. They're just living in their truck. So uh, saying you work for the wrong company as like empirical just based on the fact that you might have to take your 36 on the road, I, I don't know if I can agree with Scott wholeheartedly here, but you tell me. Link up with us once again on our social media pages, H&M Trucking. That's where you can find us. I will read these comments. So if you have anything to say to me, I would love to hear from you. If you think you would be a good interview subject on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. 
And uh, just a huge shout out to all of you that have been listening for these first few weeks. Uh, my audio producer, Mike, and I are, are putting our blood, sweat, and tears into this thing and trying to crank out something that will really entertain you and, and give you something to listen to for an hour a week that has to do with the company you work for. Part of doing that is finding out exactly what it is that you want to hear. So jump over there, check it out, subscribe, share, all those good things that they tell you to do for every piece of content that you absorb on the internet, if you want to. If you just want to take this podcast for what it is and just listen and then pretend I don't exist for an entire week, I totally get that. I pretended like I didn't exist for the entire week last week, and that's why we didn't have an episode. Sick as a dog, down for the count, bedridden, and here I am. I'm back. I'm ready. We're going strong. I've 70 episodes, maybe, before I come down sick again. I, I don't know. That's Okay, I'm 38 years old. I might have just wrote a check that my ass can't cash, but we're going to try and bring you nonstop episodes every week, so make sure you're staying tuned. Thank you so much for listening. This is the H&M Trucking Podcast. Oh, yeah, stay fresh, cheap Thank you for listening to the H&M Trucking Podcast. Please leave a review, subscribe, and connect with Marcus over at the H&M Trucking social media channels. And if you're considering a job at H&M, find us at hmtrucking.com. Until next time, stay safe and ahead of the curve drivers.